Welcome to the Artist Academy podcast, a place where we focus on the business side of art to help you attract more customers, increase profits, and ultimately live a life of creativity and financial freedom. I'm your host, Andrea Earhart, and this week's episode features Washington State-based nature artist, Gianna Andrews. Gianna has figured out her niche, which is colorful nature. She's created products and takes custom commissions surrounding said niche and wrote a book on the subject to help aspiring artists learn to do the same. (laughs) She's got a little bit of everything going on. So this all came after a bike accident that left her hospitalized with a body brace and nothing to do but sit still, heal, and create. During her recovery process, Gianna realized her love for art and the possibility to make it into a business. Through lots of trial and error, she's figured out a system that works for her, one that allows her to create, make a profit, and still have time to enjoy being out in nature. So let me know what you think about this week's episode with Gianna Andrews. Hello, I'm here with Gianna. Thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited to get to know your your story and you have a you have quite the artistic life going on with your van and all of the things. So, how did you get to where you are today? Well, yeah, thank you. So, basically, I've been really passionate about the outdoors from a very young age, which you can see in my art. It's all very nature-inspired, etc., but I wasn't always as interested in the arts. I'd say I was very creative growing up, but I hadn't really found my knack for painting until I uh, was mountain biking in college and fell off my mountain bike and broke my back and had a really long recovery that. And I was like living in a clamshell back brace. And I had done a few college art classes beforehand, but I knew I liked art, but all of a sudden, like the universe kind of gave me this opportunity to slow down and art really just kind of came to me during that time. I spent almost every day at the easel painting in my clamshell back brace. And it was kind of this rebirth in a way of like deciding that art is what I'm going to do now and what I'm going to prioritize in my life. And that was seven years ago. And it's kind of, that's how it all started. Oh, wow. (laughs) Talk about being forced into it in in a way. (laughs) Okay. Well, I mean, you know, everything happens for a reason and that's so, that's so great. So, and so how long did it take you to go from creating art to selling it to, you know, doing it full time and making a full time living? Yeah, that's a great question. So when I was mountain biking, I was riding with Rachel Pohl, who you might be familiar with. And it was actually one of our first times hanging out and she So she came to the hospital with me and everything when I broke my back. And she was kind of a huge part in the inspiration of showing me that being an artist is a true career path and something you can do. It was at the beginning of her career and she was already selling her art and had her artistic style defined and seeing her do that inspired me. And she had seen some of my paintings, I think from like hanging in my house and was like, you should paint like you should create. So I took like a few years to definitely define my own style. That was something that's always been really important to me is have my own way of doing things that was unique to me. And once I kind of graduated college, I pretty much went full-time into art, but I did finish out my degree 
just even though it wasn't in art, just to get it done with. And since I had had a few years of experience painting and also kind of watching how Rachel ran her businesses, I began selling prints. I made a website and it just kind of naturally went from there. I started posting work on Instagram and I would get DMs from people and actually started selling work over DMs. And then I was like, oh, wow, I need a website. And then oh, wow, I need to like get a way to ship my stuff out. So it just kind of like naturally progressed during that time. How do you get customers? How did you get customers in the beginning and how do you get them now? Yeah, that's a great question. I feel like in the beginning, very natural. I also do think that on Instagram back in 2016, 2017 was was an anomaly of a time. And that's when I started posting my art on the internet, there weren't as many artists as there are now. I would say like, not I I would like to think that as artists, we can all collaborate, but like competition wise, not very many people were selling work on the internet. So I definitely just got a lot of natural organic customers from just posting consistently on Instagram and just painting as much as possible and sharing the work. And that's really how it started. I remember in 2017 was my first kind of holiday doing sales. And I was completely unprepared. I like put prints on my website and a few originals. And I was so busy. I was just packaging all day long. I had no extra help. And I was handwriting labels and everything. And that's just kind of like the beginning of it. And then from there, it just felt possible to keep expanding into like events and different. And then I just made connections from kind of that initial a boost that just happened. Yeah. Okay. So you do events now? Yeah. So I occasionally do events. I'll do events with brands like live painting, etc. So sometimes say a brewery is doing an event and I'll come out and paint and like have a merch table. I do select festivals. I definitely, I only do a couple a year, but it's enough to make connections and get my work out there and talk to people in person, which I love doing, etc. But yeah, I don't want to become one of those like a vendor that's doing that all the time. I think that would burn me out. Yeah. Yeah. I've never done a show, but I hear it's a lot of work and I need a lot of supplies. It's good that you have all of those, like the tent and all of that. For sure. Yeah. I do have a 10 by 10 tent, but sometimes events are indoors more kind of like I've done a few trade shows. There's one in Oregon called Snowvana and it's kind of a pre-winter party ski show at the Oregon Convention Center. So I'll go set up a booth there, but we don't need tents for that. So it just depends on the event. But I do kind of have my system of how I set things up so that I don't need to like reinvent it for every event. Yeah, awesome. Okay, and you do that mostly for networking or do you make a decent amount at those? Or If I'm going to be going and showing my art, it's also for like part of what my income is. It's just like a supplemental thing that's fun to do. I enjoy it in the way that it's really nice to connect with customers in person because since so much of my business is online and has been through Instagram and just email, I'm not getting that face-to-face with customers very much. And so I feel the human connection from an event can be really powerful. Yeah. So you sell originals and prints and you do merch as well, like t-shirts. I'm seeing you have a a t-shirt with a design that's similar to the design (laughs) I do. Yeah. So this is, we're in my studio right now. This is a mural that I painted on the wall behind me, but yeah. So I've mainly focused on prints, originals. I'll do 
live edge driftwood originals that have been pretty popular or just like wood round originals. I also like painting on canvas. And then kind of around the holidays, I'll do a bigger drop where I'll do a 20 or this coming year, 2023 calendar planner stickers. Yeah. Limited apparel line. Merchandise has been interesting for me because I'm kind of a minimalist in a way. And also like my college degree was in environmental studies. So I'm passionate about the environment and I want to make goods that are not bad for the planet and that I'm not just putting more stuff into the world. So I'm usually really conscious about what I put out there and what I do manufacture if I am making manufactured goods. So it's, I kind of keep it in small batches and just make like a limited run of tote bags. Like I just made in um, the spring, I released 100% recycled cotton tote bags. And then I'm not going to bring those designs back. So it's just kind of like limited drops. Okay. Yeah. I was going to ask, and being that, I mean, do you do the van life kind of stuff and all the things that, which is super cool and artsy, but I was going to ask, do you do pre-orders on stuff like that too? Or do you just do like, I'm ordering and then how, like, give me an example of how many shirts you would order or how many bags you would order at one time. Yeah, that's a great question. So I tried to start my art business out of the van, just circling back to the van life thing. It did not work, especially for the like scale of work I like to do. I like to paint bigger. It's just if I'm setting up in the sun or the wind or trying to paint in the van, you're also trying to cook. Like for me, it didn't work with the scale of work I like to do. And I also realized I need a stable studio to work out of. Right now we're in my studio, but it used to be an extra bedroom in our house. We've moved into a house that now has a separate building that I can work out of which is really nice. But yeah, as far as quantities of what I'm ordering at a time, I kind of just have to guess of if it's going to be a popular item or not. I've done pre-orders on a few tank tops that are like unit price way expensive to me just so that I don't over order. And then I'm sitting on a bunch of product that was really expensive. But I do have some wholesale accounts too. So I sell to stores and I do give them like a wholesale price and there's a minimum amount of how much they have to order. But that kind of helps with when I'm ordering products, I'll sell them online. Then I'll be like, okay, I'm also going to sell them at this event. And then also I'll offer them on wholesale. And usually that clears me out of product. I mean, at a time I'll order 10 to 20 units of each size of t-shirt if I think it's gonna be a popular t-shirt and then I can get a reprint. A lot of hat companies, like I've done hats in the past, their minimum is 50 units. So that's how many hats you have to order. I'll usually go with the minimum unless I think it's going to be a popular design. Stickers, I just order a ton because they go quick. And also you can give them away freebies and stuff if you have like a marketing push you're doing. Yeah. Does that answer that question? Yeah, definitely. And I can already hear the questions of people asking you, where do you specifically get your merch from? Do you have a specific company? Have you tried out different ones? Because that's that's another question, one question that I see going around when it comes to merch. They're like, where do you order your stickers? Where do you do this? <laughs> where do you get Yeah, it? for sure. Sticker Mule for stickers. I've switched to Sticker Beat. They're an awesome company based out of Canada. I definitely recommend them. So stickerbeat.com, I think that is. And yeah, it's just the waterproof, durable stickers. As far as apparel goes, I'm working with local printmaker right now. That So all this is printed in Port Angeles, the town that I live in, and on the Olympic Peninsula in Washington. 
I like that aspect of having it be local. My prints are also made local. So it's not a big company making them. It's a fine art photographer who photographs for me and, and makes my prints and they're really great quality. I like the quality control that can go into like smaller batch production. And then I've worked with a few like medium scale printers that print in the US. I haven't done any overseas printing other than hats because it's really hard to get hats manufactured in the States. I think there are a few options I'm looking into for this coming season, but there's like a lot of third party manufacturers that help you order, but then they actually have their own manufacturing connections and they just are like kind of the middle people behind that. That's what I've used for hats. But generally when it comes to my other merch, I try to go directly to the producer or the printer and some of those connections I'm just not willing to share because it's taken time to develop them and research them. So I would say for artists that are looking to manufacture their stuff, like ask for samples, do your research and find the company that you feel their ethos like fit best for you and your art and your company. And it's okay to like look around and be selective because there's a lot of companies that don't have environmentalism in mind and aren't doing good things for the planet. So and if that matters to you, which hopefully it does, then you can, yeah, I would say just do your research. Yeah. So what makes up your typical work day? What keeps you busy throughout the day? Like, do you have a nine to five typically, or do you work around the clock? Like what, I'm always curious of what everybody's schedule is. Yeah. My schedule is really developed throughout the years. I've been full-time for the last five years in my art. And I think I used to have kind of no boundaries with my work. So I would work all the time, even when we're my like partner, boyfriend and I would be away on a vacation for the weekend. I'd bring my work with me and be like emailing. And I think I've, I've burned myself out several times just working that much. So I feel like now what's nice is I'm finally getting a work life balance that is a bit more sustainable for long-term. Cause I think when you're starting out as an artist, there's a lot to do and there's a lot of different hats to wear. So it kind of makes sense that you are going to have to be pushing it and working that much. But I don't know about you, but for me, like I need to have rest and I need to just have fun and unplug. So my typical day, yeah, I typically work Monday through Friday because that's kind of when people are emailing and business is getting done. Right now, my business is at a bit of a pinch point where I feel that I trying to hire on a virtual team to take care of more of the administrative kind of back end stuff. And I'm training a new person on doing the packaging and inventory in-house. So generally, I like to spend a few hours in the morning on just like emails, getting caught up of everything. And then the afternoon would be my creativity time, whether I'm designing products or physically painting. And my morning brain is better at like logistics and getting things done. And then afternoon, I like to check out and paint. And then maybe I'll paint on the weekends, but I try not to do the business side on the weekends. Yeah. So you're in the middle of, are you writing a book right now or is it finished? So it's in the editing process right now. It's called, So You Want to Be an Artist. We are hoping to launch it this November. My partner, Corey, is a book publisher. So he's helping me self-publish it. And I'm really excited about it. It's actually the manuscript is sitting right here. So that's exciting. (laughs) But it's kind of a handbook for artists looking to get started in a career in art or even someone that maybe used to have a creative practice and is interested in being an artist, but doesn't really know how to integrate that into their life. So it 
kind of runs through everything from developing your own creative, unique style and how to kind of focus in on yourself and drown out the noise that if you're on Pinterest or Instagram or TikTok or whatever, like there's so much art out there, which is amazing. But also I feel like in order for us to get clear on our own personal style, we need to tap in with ourselves and kind of stop the outside stimulus in order to see what our souls have want to create. So everything from that. And then we also transition into like becoming your own boss, what it's like to be a working artist and how to set up your daily schedule and then different income streams and the pros and cons of these different income streams. And then finishing with marketing and social media and the different ways to market your product to the world. Awesome. So you mentioned in the beginning that you, it's really about like finding your style kind of a thing or finding what you want to do. How did you find that for yourself? So you're into the outdoors, so you naturally gravitated toward that. But how did you kind of block out that noise and be like, I want to do merch. I want to do these things. Yeah, that's a great question. For myself, I think I started in some college art classes where we were instructed to look at other artists' work, kind of more like renowned historical artists, and use those images within, like for references for our own pieces, but like almost combined them. And so you're not directly like painting someone else's work, you're like using different techniques and melding them together and creating your own. So I feel like foundationally for my technique, that was really amazing. And then once I had practiced, I kind of tried to stop looking at what everyone else was doing around me and just take time and space for myself to focus in on my own creativity. So like basically just from conceptualization of a painting, can I turn off my phone? Can I put away distractions or, you know, just turn on some good music and really just take the time for myself? to hone in on what is top of mind and being wanted to like what wants to be created. Yeah. And so I've kind of like, I feel like my whole business has kind of been directed in that way of like taking time away, taking space, getting quiet, and then making a decision. And from there, like putting it out into the world or creating something. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think a lot of us, we just start out copying each other kind of a way with the best intentions. And then you just find your own after a while, anyway. And exactly. And I think it's all about trusting yourself and trusting that, like, you know, the answer to how this painting should be created or how this drawing should be created, not someone else. So like, trusting that it can actually come from you, you don't need to look outside of yourself for like, how to create like it can all come from you. Yeah. How do you so I guess just taking some time away, do you go into nature to find that? Or do you sh- like shut off the social medias? Or how do you specifically do that? Because it's hard. It's hard to, whenever I want to go and find something new, I'll go to Pinterest and I'll just pin a bunch of new things and then I'm inspired, but it's still getting inspiration sure. from other people. So do you still do that or do you block everything out? I don't really do Pinterest too much. I'll do it for like home decor or like art studio, you know, like more like decorating, like how do I decorate my new house kind of a thing. But yeah, I spend a lot of like, I'm a surfer, I'm a skier, hiking, backpacking, just getting out in nature. And I I take a lot of my own reference photos for my painting. So I'll just bring my phone and shoot photos. And then I try to paint from those. And that can really help and be a great way to be looking 
It's like, I shot this image when I was in this place, I had this feeling. Now I want to come back to the studio and like paint that experience. And I have that photo to reference from. So I do that a lot. And I think surfing has been, I mean, I've just gotten into that much more in the last few years. So just being out at the beach and being in tune with the ocean, like that's a lot where my inspiration comes from lately. Yeah. Uh, I love it. Uh, well, you're living the life. You're doing the, the thing. <laughs> and yeah. 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 So you're hiring people now. How is that going? Tell me about that because I found I've hired a virtual assistant and a podcast editor and all the things and kind of had people help in the studio every once in a while. And it's a whole other thing. So how are you finding these people to help and how are you training them? Any tips for that? Yeah, it is a whole other thing. I think for me, it's gotten to the point where there's just things that I literally don't have energy to do anymore, like packaging my prints because all my prints are printed locally, like I said. So then they need to be trimmed down, put into a cardboard sleeve and they're sealed with like a plastic bag. So a crystal clear bag, things like that, that I just can't do in-house anymore. I had like a high school intern working for me for a while and that was fun. But yeah, I think now just kind of wanting a real employee and moving into more professional space. So I enjoy having other people around to help and it's definitely a good sign when it gets too big for you to handle, but it also can be really hard to let go of those tasks and trust someone else to do that when it's for you too. Like it's something you've created all by yourself. So then to like give this piece of it away to someone else is an amazing feeling to get help and receive help. But then it's also, you have to trust that person. It's tricky, but I just can't do it all. I'm just at the point where I just cannot do it all anymore and like have a work-life balance. So that's why I'm trying to expand. Yeah, definitely. Can we talk about pricing? How you price things? And just, I guess, how did you start by... Do you do by project? Do you do by time? Like say I, I'm going to order something from you and it's something pretty standard that you typically get. How do you tell me what price it is based on detail or like walk me through your customer experience process basically? For sure. Yeah. I actually even have a chapter in my, I talk about this in my book as well. And we start out with your relationship with money because I see that you've also talked about this in in your career as well. It's like (laughs) something I feel like it's awesome to just be open about because the more we can share with each other, the more we can like help each other out. So yeah, I think when you're running a business, the way that you maybe think about money was like a huge step for me. So I remember the first time I had to order bulk packaging supplies because I kept going to the post office and buying a single mailer every time I was like sending out a print and how that was really, I was spending a lot more money per unit. So if I had just bought the package of mailers that was hundred mailers for 150 bucks, it would have been $1.50 a mailer, not $3. But like the comprehension in my brain of spending $300 online for shipping supplies seemed insane. So I think like it comes down to you have to spend money to make money. And as far as like pricing for merchandise, a lot of it is a markup based on how much did it cost me to make? And then how much did like, am I selling it at wholesale? Because if I'm going to sell it at wholesale, I have to make, I have to do more than a 50% markup, right? So if this t-shirt costs me $7, I can't charge like the wholesaler $7 and then charge 14 for it like at a retail price because then I'm not making any money. So factoring in like, yeah, where is this product going to be sold? And 
So I usually multiply by three. So this is a $28 t-shirt. I think it cost me like $9 to make. Is that math correct? Something like that. $8. Yeah. $9 to make. That's about right. $27, $28 to multiply by three for merch. And then as far as art and originals, it's a whole different story. That's like, to me, those are two different things like merchandise and then my like original pieces. And then also signed prints, I kind of categorize as original pieces as well. It's more about like, especially for originals, how did it make me feel? And do I feel like what number would make me feel okay letting this go? And I know that might not be what most businessmen or people might tell you like how to price, but it just, when it's your personal art, it is already such a personal experience that I really think like a number that would make you feel good for if it's a service for a mural or if social media campaign, like a sponsored post, or if it's, yeah, this original painting that you poured hours into of like, of work and also just like dedication and love, then, then yeah, I just price it on how I feel. Yeah. Oh, I love that you gave us a number too, like times three for merch. That just helps people be like, okay, they can change that if they want. They could do, you know, times 2.5 or times four or whatever. But it's just like, it just gives you something like a hard number to relate to. So thank you for giving us that. For yeah. sure. And, and I could say like further, like my originals, how it makes me feel, but the smaller ones, thousand, and then it goes up from there. So like a bigger piece that I spend a lot of time on, I'm obviously love it a lot probably. So it might be more like 5,000 or that's kind of like the ballpark. So a thousand to 5,000, I try not to charge under a thousand for an original, unless it was a really small, simple piece. Yeah, I agree. And I think the main question I hear a lot too, for prints, people are like, how do you sell them? How do you sell prints? Do you have any suggestions, I guess, for your print process? Like how to market them? Yeah. I've actually noticed that prints do a lot better at events and in person, they are the fastest thing to sell no matter how much cool merch I have on the table. People love flipping through a thing of prints, like a crate of prints and picking their favorite and buying it. So at events, I found them to be really successful in the past online. Like especially when I started, I didn't have any merch other than prints and stickers. So they sold really well and they still sell, but I don't know, maybe like doing a story or showing them in person, showing like framing one and putting it on a wall and showing what it could look like, giving your viewer or giving your customer an idea of how it might look in their space can be helpful, even if you're not doing the framing yourself, which I don't do that because that's just a whole other business that I don't have time to deal with. But presenting them in a way that's aesthetic, because the reason someone's going to buy a print is because they want to like make their home feel a certain way with your artwork. So how can you present it to them in a way that makes them be able to picture it in their home and like desire it in their home? Yeah, I love that presentation. That's mm-hmm. such a good idea. Or even just like posting it up on a wall or yeah, that's such a good tip. Awesome. Okay. So by the time this podcast comes out, your book will already be out. So where can people go to get that and get more artistic advice from you? Yeah, for sure. So my website is giannaandrews.com and my Instagram is at giannaandrews. My book will be available on my website as well as my fall winter line, which my website's been closed all summer. I took a break from it. So I'm excited to drop my new fall line that is coming out beginning of November. 
And then I think the book's also going to be available on Amazon Books. A fall line. Oh, that yeah. sounds so fancy. I love that for you. You have a fall <laughs> line coming out. Oh, yeah, so awesome. <laughs> okay, thank awesome. you. Yeah, well, thank you for coming on and sharing your your tips. And for anybody wanting more advice from Gianna, go to her website and get her book. And let's let's help a girl out with within our artistic community. And yeah, thank you again so much. Yeah, thank you so much for having me today. It was so great to chat with you. Good luck with everything you as well and becoming a mom. (laughs) Thanks. And that's a wrap. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Artist Academy podcast. And if you like hearing interviews just like this in your ear, if they inspire you, then I want to encourage you to go download the audible version of my new book, Mural Money. It's a condensed version of basically all of the best of the best tips given here on the podcast from guests, plus my own words of wisdom to help you get started in any art industry plus stories of some hard lessons learned that I have never told before. You can pick up a copy at muralmoney.com. And again, I highly recommend the Audible version. I put a lot of tender love and care to make sure the Audible was extra special. It had some extra goodness in there. And it's really for any artist, but especially those wanting to make a profit from a paintbrush. Muralmoney.com. That's it. I'll see you next week.